And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Padre Scout Team, left-handed pitcher, 2026 Virginia baseball commit Spencer Krasner on the JKR Podcast for the Padre Scout Team Spotlight. Spencer, pumped to get you here on the show for the final episode here of the San Diego Padre Scout Team Spotlight. It's been a great series so far. Pumped to kind of end it off here tonight. How are you doing here today? I'm good, man. Uh just finished off fall season, getting ready for spring, be back with the boys on the field, hopefully to repeat the same thing we had last season, big okay. state championship. Okay, state championship there. You know, we'll definitely be digging into that, kind of dig into this off season. But before we do dig into your baseball career, I have one question I like to ask everybody to get the podcast started. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Spencer Krasner? Well, I am a left-hand pitcher from Cooper City, Florida. Um, I have played for at least 12 years. I've always loved the game. I've always loved pitching. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's been great playing with the Padres so far. Uh, great coaching, great players. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I love okay. it. So playing baseball there for, you said, at least 12 years. You know, making you pretty much a baseball lifer. Let's go ahead. Let's dig into that. Take us through 
the travel baseball experience. I know you started with the Padres scout team this past summer. So even throwing it back there before the Padres, take us through what that experience been like so far. Well, it's it's been awesome. I mean, playing travel is just a great experience. Like going to all these new places, playing with a bunch of new guys. Like, like I said, the coaches on every team I've had have been awesome. They've always guided me to where I need to be. The players always have my back and just winning. I love winning. So keep that up. And that's, that's about it. Okay. For a guy who likes winning, you're definitely on that right team. I'm hearing a lot of, you know, I'm hearing there's a lot of winning going on there with that Padre scout team. I believe you guys are ranked seventh there in that 2026 class. So I'm sure these next couple summers will be a lot of wins going underneath your belt, but um, sure. you did go ahead, started playing for that Padre scout team this past summer. I believe you said it was down there in Cary, North Carolina for some sort of USA event. Take us through how'd you get connected with that Padre scout team? Take us through that first week. What's that Padre scout team experience been like so far? So, yeah, Brandon uh, reached out to me, I think, in beginning of the year, like January, and he hit me up. He's like, asked me if I want to play with the McCary. I said yes. So I went out there. I pitched against Canes National, probably one of the biggest games of the year. We went on and beat them 4-1. to one. So that was a great game. And then just after that, the rest of the tournament was just we kept winning, we kept winning, and then we lost the third round of the playoffs to – a team from New Jersey. So even that loss, like it didn't matter because we had so much fun playing and we just played our game until we couldn't no more. So we just had a great, like a great connection with the team. Yeah, for sure. And kind of digging into that carry event, you know, I was there for the 2025s, great event, you know, scouts, coaches all over the place, you know, the top of the top teams that you guys are facing. Obviously you guys said you got to, you got to pitch against Canes national kind of take us through, that game against Canes National, kind of what that other – you just kind of take us through that first week of your experience there down there in Cary. So originally I wasn't supposed to throw that game. I was supposed to throw the first bracket game, but we had a rain delay. So Aaron Hernandez threw first, threw the first two innings, and then we had a three-hour rain delay. So then I came in, threw the last four and a third, whatever it was, just did my thing. I shoved, went four and a third, like one hit, six Ks, just mowed them all down and did my thing like I always do. All right, so going through one week there with that Padre Scout team, you know, I know there's a lot of kids from across the country. You know, there's guys from Florida like you, Cody, Nathaniel, guys from Texas, Michigan, some guys out of New Jersey as well, because I think some West Coast guys too. Um, Kind of take us through the relationships you've been able to build throughout that one week playing for the Padres. Kind of what are those relationships looking like with your teammates? Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, Bunch of dogs. Like every single kid has a different way of playing and a different way they represent themselves on the field. Like, Cody's just laid back, super chill kid, like, great catcher, great hitter. Then you got Nate, who's absolutely crazy, and he doesn't he doesn't stop talking in the field, but, but he, he plays the game the right way, which is which is great. And the rest of the boys just, they just ball out. We play our game, we win games, which is most important, and then we have fun in the hotel. Okay, so you talk about representing representing yourself there when you're playing for the Padre Scout team. That kind of ties into team culture. I know Brandon, Mo, and Cameron have built a very good team culture there. You guys are playing with passion, playing your heart and your playing with your heart on your sleeves. Kind of take us through that team culture. What does that culture look like that Cameron, Mo, and Brandon have been able to build for that Padre Scout team? Yeah, it's great. Um, Cam, when he coaches, it's more like he's a player, so he puts himself in our shoes and coaches from that perspective. And then Mo just, he's just a great coach. Like, he knows how to coach the game. Like, 
when we're just playing whenever, like he has that game down pack and Brandon's just like more like off to the side recruiting guy. But I like how Mo and Cam are on top of everything with the coaching and before the game speeches. It's it's great. Yeah, for sure. And I've heard a lot of great things about all three of those guys kind of here. It's like a, a big league structure when it comes to Mo's handling certain things. Cameron's handling the other. Brandon's kind of like that GM going out, recruiting guys, kind of making this team work. Um, kind of digging into that coaching staff. You, again, playing one week with them this past summer. What were the relationships you're able to build with those three coaches? Yeah, Um. so Mo, so Coach Mo, I've known for a while. So we've already had a good relationship, but being with Cam and Brandon for the first time, it, it was just good because like, the way they treated me as as a player was good, and the way they treated me off the field just as, as a person was even better. Like, we just had an instant connection, so I'm just glad it, it happened that way. I'm glad I continued playing with them. All right, so the one guy everybody knows here on this Padre scout team when it comes to that coaching staff, Cameron Maben. 15-year big leaguer. I'm sure you're hearing a lot of cool stories. I know he made it to a World Series that you know he's been telling the team about, telling about all those major league experiences. For you, kind of looking at your baseball career, learning underneath Cameron for that one week, kind of looking ahead there for that 2024 summer as well, what benefits do you think is going to come from learning from a big league, a former big leaguer as one of your coaches? Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome because the way he's going to tell us, like from experience, like what to do and what not to do, it's gonna it's gonna help us for our futures, whether it's college or whether it's just high school, what decisions to make when we're on the field as well as in the in the classroom. Like he tells us to get our stuff done in school, get everything else done, and then baseball comes after that. So our priorities come first, and then baseball. So he gives us good like lessons off the field as well as on the field. All right. So uh, earlier there, when you did your little bit of an intro, you said that you are a guy who likes to win. Again, I think you're on that right team for winning because I think those Padre scout team, they're racking up a lot of wins, you know, going from summer to summer. Kind of take us through um, you playing a week for this Padre scout team for everything that you've seen, whether that's, you know, the team culture, learning from the coaches and the way they run everything. What do you think has led to that Padre scout team success over these past years, racking up all those wins? Kind of what take us through what you've seen. I just feel like we're all a talented group and we all just come together as as one cohesive like team. Like and we're just always in the game, ready to play, just balls to the walls. Everything's just on point every single game. And there's no looking back. Like after the first pitch, we're locked in. We jump on teams and we don't look back. So looking beyond that Padre scout team, again, playing them for a week, you've played for a couple other teams there in the past as well. I believe it was five-star you were playing with before yeah. this Padre scout team. Again, kind of looking into the, nit the nitty-gritty when it comes to some of these travel organizations. Five-star, another great program there. For you playing with them, what do you think led to the success of that organization as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, Coach Baker and uh, Coach Burris are two top coaches in that program, and they helped me. They guided me through the recruiting process, and they also helped me throughout the fall and, and throughout the summer. So they gave me the best opportunities I had to pitch. And when I had those chances, I did what I had to do, and I had a great team behind me. So it was just – it was a good experience with them too. Okay. So going full-time here with this Padre Scout team, heading into this next summer, kind of take us through what those expectations are heading into this 2024 summer and the 16-year year. They're super high. I, I think we're going to win a lot of games. 
I'm hoping we don't lose one, but I, I feel like we're going to go perfect summer. We're going to win both USAs and the WWBA. I feel it. Okay, that's a, that's some pretty lofty expectations there. But again, with the type of team that you guys have with those three coaches and Brandon, Cameron, and Mo, you know, I feel like that can be done. And there's like, again, going to be a lot of wins for that Padre scout team for these couple summers to go ahead. Uh, but sure. looking at that roster that you guys have there with that Padre scout team, just the pitching staff alone, obviously you headed to UVA, Aaron Hernandez, Ryan Bosch going to Wake Forest, another ACC school, Braxton Beatty, Beatty, I kind of forget how to pronounce his name, had him on the podcast last week. You know, that's a pretty loaded pitching staff. So when you guys get your minds all together, you guys are talking about the game of baseball, talking about pitching repertoire, mechanics, whatever. Kind of take us through how you guys are picking each other's brains, talking about the game of baseball. Take us through some of those conversations that are being had beyond that Padres pitching staff. Yeah, so we're we're all different. Bosch is 6'8", Beatty's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and then Aaron and I are both like 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, so we all have our different ways of moving. Bosch is, is just a big, a big guy. He just throws absolute fuzz. Beatty's a little guy. He throws fuzz too. But we just like the things we talk about is more like arm slot and like tipping pitches and stuff. So we, we catch that like quick. But we don't talk about like much because we already have like we have a good connection like during games. We talk about like after innings. But it's more like pitch tipping, arm slot. Like it's more like that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. So with that loaded roster, you know, that pitching staff's great. You know, you got Nathaniel and Trent and Cody, all those different guys there in that lineup as well. You know, with you guys having such a loaded roster, also being that Padre scout team, being one of the few teams here in the country that gets the rep in Major League uniform on a day-in and day-out basis, do you think that puts a little bit of an extra target on your guys' back wearing those Major League uniforms? Yes, for sure. Teams just... They want us to lose. Like everyone just like looks down on us and, and says, Oh, that's the Padres. We're gonna beat them today. Everyone has has that one target on us because we're the Padres. If we were anybody else, then it'd be different. Like since we have that that big name and the big coaches who are helping us out through this process, it makes us more of a threat to others and it kind of scares them. So it makes us seem like we're bad guys when we're playing out there. For sure. When, I mean, when you have a roster that looks like you guys again and 15 year big league like Cameron Maybin there at the helm, coaches like Mo and Brandon as well. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of teams scared of you guys, you know, going ahead and having to face a pitching staff like you guys, having to face a lineup that you guys have. Kind of moving ahead, you know, moving ahead from travel baseball here to the high school scene. I know you said before we started recording that you guys did win that state championship down there in the state of Florida last year, your freshman season. Take us through that freshman year. What was it like going ahead, being one of those younger guys on the team? Take us through that state championship run. What did that freshman spring look like? So beginning of the year, I was I was uh, a late relief guy. Like if we were up by 10 runs or if it was just like a blowout, like I, I would come in at the last six outs of the game or three outs, whatever it was. So first game I threw was really well. Second game kind of that was the turning point for me. It was last inning against Aaron's school. I have a walk-off home run. And after that moment, I feel like everything just clicked for me. And as the season went on, they they gained trust back in me, and I became a starter. So, like, end of the season, I started. And then I started playoffs. I wasn't thinking much of it. Like, I, I didn't think I'd get 
like states, and we got to states, and then our number one guy threw state semifinals. We got past that game, and then I started state finals, which I would have never thought would have happened. If if I went back to that first game of the season, I would not ha- have said I would start state finals because we had a few injuries throughout the year, which we thought would be a problem, but we persevered, we came through, and we just we played our game. That was it. So, you know, I haven't really interviewed too many guys from the state of Florida. When it comes to going through the state tournament, going through the state championship, state finals, whatever, how does that work? Like, does everybody make it to the state champ- the state tournament? Do you have to have a certain record? Do you have to win a certain conference? What does that look like in the state of Florida? So the district's district winner and the runner-up make regionals, and then the winners of the regionals go to the finals. So then it's final four, and then it's just you win the semifinals, you go to the finals. Then one game in the finals and it's over. Okay. So I know you did say there at the beginning that you were a little bit of a middle relief guy coming in, maybe in a mop-up role when you guys are winning by a bunch. Kind of take us through how you kind of persevered that, knowing that, you know, I'm a good ball player. I'm the youngest guy on the team. Kind of take us through that perseverance to kind of get through that, keep rolling, actually becoming a starter, starting that state finals game. What was that perseverance that you had to show there early on in the season there your freshman year? So, yeah, so – like I was saying, one of the first games I pitched, I gave up the walk-off home run, which which was a big like setback for me. So I came back from that. I came back in relief, kept pitching well. And then at the middle of the season, our coach finally gave me a chance to start and had that game and never looked back. Like that game was probably the best game I've ever pitched in my life. And he found he found that game, he trusted me, and that's just it clicked from there. Okay, so gaining that trust there midway through your freshman year, kind of go ahead. Having a pretty successful um, freshman season, go ahead, winning that state championship. Looking ahead here to your sophomore year, a couple months away, what are those expectations heading into that sophomore spring? Same as last year. We're scary this year. For sure, we'll win states this year. We have our number one guy. He's going to UNC. And then I'm the two this year, so we be a scary ACC duo going to – Play the same teams, beat the same teams, make states again, hopefully win it. Okay. So so give us the rundown. You talk about, you know, you guys got that killer one-two punch, both of you guys going to the ACC. Beyond that, give us the rundown on that American Heritage team. What should some of these guys be looking out for this upcoming spring? Definitely our one through nine. Our whole lineup is just scary. Our number one, our leadoff guy is a a two-sport athlete. Then we have – a shortstop FSU commit. We have our our right fielder going to Tennessee. We have our left fielder going to Indiana State. And then just first base, second base, third base catcher. They all just they rake and they and they're good in the field. Like our team, I think one through nine can hit nine through one. That's how that's how balanced we are. Ooh, man, so that's like what six or seven division one commits there on that American Heritage High School team. Okay, so you Playing for that high school team, having so many guys going to that next level, playing for that Padre scout team as well, kind of throwing it back into that. Being around so many guys going to that next level, how do you think that benefits your game? How are some of these guys pushing you? How are you pushing some of those other guys? How does all these high-caliber baseball players together benefit your baseball career? Yeah, so high school, like, I'm the youngest guy out there. So all I do is learn from the guys that are older than me, and I take what they have. I put that into my game and then I take what they give me and I bring it to the Padres. So like when I'm with them, like I use what I learned from the guys that are 
older than me at my school who have played the game longer and have already experienced this stuff, I bring it to the guys in Padres and I, I give them like some like encouragement, like if you would call it that. Okay. So still being one of those younger guys on the American Heritage team, do you see yourself potentially stepping up as a leader here your sophomore year? Are you having a year underneath your belt? Or do you kind of see that coming in the years to come once some of these older guys kind of leave the program and get to that next level? I think it could happen this year, but I think next year for sure, I'll be one of the leaders for sure. But I mean, I'm going to try this year. If not, then next year and my senior year for sure. So I know a lot of people talk about, you know, when they talk about high school baseball competition, they talk about Texas, they talk about Florida, talk about Georgia and California. So let's dig into what that Florida high school baseball competition looks like. You know, kind of take us through going through your part of Florida, going through your guys' spring schedule. Who are some of those other teams you guys are facing? What's that competition level looking like on a night to night basis? Give us the rundown of what high school baseball looks like in your part of Florida. Yeah, so for us, our uh, our toughest competition down here is probably Westminster Christian, and then Doral, and then Stoneman Douglas. Those probably are the three teams that would give us a good a good shot, like a good game. And then Jesuit, who we face in the state finals, is is really good. And then IMG, of course. And then you and there's one school in uh, in uh, Tallahassee that's pretty good, Columbia. So those six teams are probably the toughest teams in Florida. Okay. So with you, I, so when I ask a lot of guys, this upcoming question, you know, they talk about how tough travel baseball is because they're going from high school ball to where they're potentially facing two to three division one commits in a spring. Obviously you, it's a lot different going and facing IMG Academy, all those different Florida schools as well. Um, I'm sure it's a little bit different for you. What's tougher Florida high school baseball there as an underclassman or travel baseball playing kids your own age, facing a lot of the top-tier talent in the country, what's tougher and what's that adjustment going from high school baseball to travel baseball? Travel for sure is tougher. When I get out there, like, every kid is committed to D1. Every single player on every roster I face this year is D1. Like, when I go from high school, there's probably one to two guys, maybe every three teams. But travel, there's every single player is committed. So, I mean, it's 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 not like it's super tough. It's just the competition seems like it might be worse, but it's it's way better in travel. Like, yeah. even though the guys are 18 years old in high school, they don't have what the guys in travel have. Yeah. And I always like I always like asking that question, kind of seeing that comparison between high school baseball and travel baseball for all these different people. Thought it could be a little bit different for you being a guy from the state of Florida and facing all that great competition. But um, I got one last question when it comes to high school baseball. Also going to throw travel baseball in here as well. Kind of a two parter question. Looking at that high school season, I'm sure winning that state championship is a great memory. But beyond that, give us the rundown. What are some of those favorite memories? Take us through what those memories would be like for your high school career so far. Same thing with travel baseball, traveling the country with your boys, playing for five-star, playing for that Padre scout team. What would be some of those favorite memories for high school baseball and also for travel baseball? High school, I think, would be all the bus rides we have together, which are are amazing. Like they're just like they're crazy. And then probably just playing on the field with my boys, like just having them back me up in the dugout just making noise being crazy just making the pitchers like lose their minds that's that's the most fun for me and then travel for sure just staying in the house with the boys being together just like 
we do everything together. It's like we're just a family there. Like okay. all the guys in travel, like we're a family. Like yeah, high school too. And uh, I hear a lot about you guys, that Padre scout team being families. You know, I'm talking to, you know, again, you talk to these, you guys all these past three weeks, hearing about all the Airbnbs you guys are getting, all the different fun you guys are going and having, maybe even hanging out with each other beyond playing baseball. Um, So definitely, definitely looks like a family there for that Padre scout team. And again, it's been super fun digging into everything going on there. But let's go ahead, kind of look ahead to your next steps. You know, you're wearing that UVA shirt right here. Um, let's go ahead, kind of dig into how exactly that happened. I think you're probably like the 20th UVA commit I've had on the podcast so far. I feel like every other week I'm talking to like three different guys going to the University of Virginia. But um, digging into that recruiting process, take us through it. When did it get started for you? When did some of these Division One coaches kind of start reaching out? Give us the rundown on what that recruiting process looked like. Yeah, so uh, last fall um, with Five Star, Coach Gil Morales, he's from Georgia. He helped me out get with uh, the Virginia coach. So he came to my game in Palm Beach. He saw me pitch a couple of innings. He reached out to my coach. And then we talked for, I think, like six months. And then I also had a few other schools that I was talking to. But Virginia, for sure, caught my eye the most. They were, like, the one school that, like, I connected with, like, super well. And, like, the coaches were just, like, amazing. Yeah. So going through those recruit, going through that recruiting process, kind of talking to a couple of different schools. You said you're talking to UVA there for six months. Kind of take us through those first couple phone calls that you're having with some coaches. What are some different ways they're trying to get to know you? What are some different maybe questions you're asking them to get to know about their program? And then as the recruiting process went on, how do those conversations with that UVA coaching staff kind of evolve as you guys got to know each other a little bit better? Yeah. So um, the first month or so he uh would ask me like like my workouts what I would do at school my throwing program what I'd be on uh how fall was going like how I was pitching like velo wise how I was growing whatever like that and then after the first three months like it was just like talk about like how my week was like how I'm doing what my family's doing so he just like me and Coach Dickinson, pitching coach UVA, we just we had a great bond after the first month. Like I knew immediately like that we clicked. So I went there for a camp in January and then I came back a week later and I committed. All right. So you said you have a great bond there with that UVA coaching staff. Obviously, I'm you know, I'm sure that's a great thing that you were looking for. As I talked to a lot of kids, that's kind of one of the biggest things they're looking for when it comes to finding a school for that next level. But as you're going through that recruiting process, some other schools are reaching out beyond UVA. What were some of those key things you were looking for as you're comparing UVA to whatever other school it is or whatever? What were some of those key things you were looking for? So the first thing was for sure the amount of pictures they had committed, the amount of left-handed pictures they had committed. And then I would look at academic-wise, their pitching program, the facilities they had, the coaching staff, how long they've been there and the amount of transfers they get in. Those are probably the, the, the big, like, key points I was looking for. All right, so as that recruiting process kind of starts to wind down, you know, UVA is checking off all those different boxes that you're looking for within a school. I know you said you get that offer. You said it was, what, a couple weeks after that is when you made that commitment. Yep. So what was that final click that made you realize UVA was going to be the spot for you? The whole campus was just amazing. The coaching staff was amazing. The players who were helping out with the camp were awesome. 
and the academics there is just best you can get for bait and their top 10 baseball top 10 academics it's just everything there is perfect yeah for sure you know obviously playing in the ACC one of those best baseball conferences here out of those power fives you're always going to be consistently facing you know great competition on a weekend to weekend basis um but you know you we talk about the relationship you have with that UVA coaching staff how great it was before you made that commitment as you made that commitment with you being in the class of 2026, you are in a pretty unique situation where you can't be talking to those college coaches there for the next, I think it's what, eight or nine months or so. Yeah. So what's that excitement for you looking ahead to August 1st of your junior year, talking to that coaching staff again, you know, kind of seeing what's been going on. What's that excitement there for August 1st? It's going to be awesome. Like, it's been a while since I've talked to him. I think since, I haven't talked to him since February. So I was committed for a month. We talked for the next month, and then I couldn't talk to him anymore. So it's going to be nice to see him again when I go for the visit. And then it's nice to talk to him again when it, I finally talk to him. Yeah. So kind of kind of sticking on the topic of relationships, you know, looking into your future Virginia teammates. Again, I've interviewed, I think, a lot, a lot of your future teammates here on the podcast. But for you, being a guy from Florida, moving up there to Virginia, have you had the opportunity to kind of start building relationships with those future UVA teammates? Yeah, so um, – the 26 guys have a group chat, so we talk all the time like with, with my class. And then 25 guys, I'm friends with a couple of them. And the 24 class, I'm friends with a few of those guys. So it's it's like I built a few relationships with the older guys, but it's more the 25 to 26 guys that like I'm closer with. So, yeah, I mean, it's been nice. Yeah, I'm sure. So as that August 1st date comes around and some of those guys in that class of 2026 can start getting, you know, recruited by UVA again, are you going to be acting as a recruiter in a way to land some of your potentially Padre scout team teammates or maybe some of your other buddies across the state um, trying to get them there to UVA? Yeah, um, I'm trying to convince Nate right now because he's uh, he's being stubborn about it. So I'm trying to get him to kind of get his way to Virginia. So it'd be nice to have him with me yeah. in the outfield. Yeah, would be nice that would be nice to have uh you know that that Florida spice heading there to UVA and kind of trying to you know take that team to Omaha. But um kind of moving into this last segment here, you're on the field play. Uh for a second I thought you were kind of be a PO at that next level, but you did just say that you might want Nathaniel there out there in the outfield with you. Kind of what's that plan as you get to the next level, heading through these next couple of years? Do you see yourself as a PO? You see yourself as a two-way? Kind of take us through where you're seeing yourself on the field. I'll probably be a PO. I mean, I feel like my hitting isn't where it used to be at all. But, like, I can still feel that I'm still good in the field. I just can't hit anymore. So, it does me no good. There's no designated <laughs> fielder. So, I mean, it'd be pointless. So, I mean, I'm just going to pitch. Okay. All right. I, so, I feel like that's my strength. So, okay. so with pitching being your strength right now, I'm, are you, like, are you technically a two-way right now when it comes to playing for the Padres and playing high school ball? Nah. I mean – I could play first base and outfield, but like I can't hit, so it's it's like okay. it's like one and a half. All right, so uh, it's a one and a half player. All right, so as as your uh, hitting kind of you know went to the downside, you kind of started to solely focus on the pitching side of the game. How did you see your pitching evolve a little bit quicker with that being your sole focus? I feel like when I just put all my focus on the pitching, like everything started clicking. Like my movements got better, my arm slot just fix itself like my upper half just moved better my lower half moved better like everything just like felt like it, it was all coming together and like I feel like 
once I stopped hitting, I can just focus on one thing and one thing only. Just throw, hit the glove, throw strikes. That's literally it. Nothing else. Okay. All right. So let's kind of go ahead, dig into the pitching repertoire a little bit. When you are up there on the mound, take us through what are those different pitches that you're throwing, maybe some of the mental cues that come along with that, and even pitch grips as well. What does that pitching repertoire look like for you? So I have a three-and-a-half pitch mix. I got four-seam, which moves still. I have a two-seam, change-up, curveball, slider. Like, I don't count my four-seam as a pitch because everything still tails because I have I have arm-side runs. So even if I throw a four-seam, it's going to move like a two-seam. So it's just two-seam, change-up, curveball, slider pretty much. Okay, so with you having a three and a half pitch mix, I'm sure you're starting to, you know, maybe work on some other pitches, develop the pitches that you have already. For you, as you're working on some of those pitches in your repertoire already, potentially developing some other pitches to become game ready as well, how do you go about developing some of those pitches? It's it's all about feel. Like for me, like I just have to have the feel for the pitch. Like if, if I don't have it, like I just play around with the ball, find a grip and then work on that and see if it works. Like I've changed my, my change of grip a thousand times and it still isn't perfect, but it still does the job. It moves where I want it to move. It gets guys out. And that's, that's the, that's the goal at the end of the day. Okay. So earlier you kind of brought up there, the mindset you have there on the mound, you know, just throw strikes, kind of take us through that mentality. What's maybe that war dog mentality that you have up there on the mound, kind of take us through that mindset as you're going through the game. Yeah. So when I'm pitching, I, I literally just – it's me and the catcher. Like, I don't hear anything else. I don't see anything else. All I see is the catcher's glove and the catcher's sign. So, I just throw the ball as hard as I can through the glove, get my off-speed working in every every once in a while. I'll get a guy out, like strike out, but I'm more pitch-to-contact guy. If I miss a barrel, then I'm happy with it, but I like pitching to contact. Get my defense to work. Ground balls are amazing. Okay, so you talk about the catchers. Let's kind of go ahead, talk about the relationship you have with different catchers, how you kind of go about trusting them, building a relationship with those guys behind the plate. How important do you see that having good relationships with your catchers? It's super important. Like having trust in my catcher, like just a great relationship would be having my catcher know in bullpens, like what pitch I'm going to throw next. Like we're doing batters. Like, so the catcher, it's me and the catcher, like he'll call the game for me and he knows what I want to throw which is amazing. Like if they know that, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. There's no, like, I'm not complaining at that point. Yeah, for sure. So how often are you shaking off your catchers? Not at all. Not at all. Maybe like every other pitch like that. I don't want to throw like, there's not many times though. Like I, I like to let them call the game and then I pitch the ball where they call it. Okay. All right. So kind of digging into the mechanic side here, kind of go ahead from the stretch, from the windup, what are those mechanics looking like and how have they evolved these past couple of years as you've matured more as a baseball player? Yeah. So I've always like, when I first started pitching, I never did the windup. Like I would always be at the stretch because I used to always be a closer. So when I was a cl- like, I used to always close. So I, I never did wind up or anything. I would just go stretch and then just throw the ball. So then once 13 you or 14 you came around, I started being a starter more. So I did, I had to get a wind up, just simple, quick, just move my body just like fast and then throw the ball. Like so I pe- couldn't, I couldn't make it 
too much of like a crazy windup. So I just kept it simple and it works. Okay. So being a former closer, what was that adjustment going from out of the bullpen to a starting role? And again, you know, obviously you might be, you know, going back and forth at times as well in the future. What's that adjustment going from the bullpen to starting a game, you know, maybe potentially back to the bullpen. What's that mentality difference and what's that pregame routine difference as well, being out of the bullpen compared to being a starter? Well, being a starter, I, I love it. I, I I get more time to warm up. I get more time to stretch, more time to eat my food. So, I mean, when I do relief, like I got to throw, I throw maybe like five minutes before game time. So I'm not throwing an hour before and then getting warmed up again. So, I mean, being a starter has definitely helped me because I've only had, uh, like, it's it's just, like, I feel less rushed and I can get more more movements going, more stretching, more plow balls. So it's, it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to explain, but being a starter is just better. I mean, I don't like closing anymore. <laughs> I've lost the feel for it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I've I've talked to a couple pitchers before and it's you know crazy how you have to be ready in 7 to 10 minutes or something like that when you're a reliever compared to you pretty much get as much time as you want when you're a starter. But um you know it is the off season. Let's kind of go ahead dig into that here a little bit. You know, you being from Florida, you're starting a lot earlier than some other some of these other guys. Take us through the whole arm care situation this off season going from, you know, potentially a deload process to ramping back up there, getting ready for the spring. What does that arm care situation look like there in the off season? Yeah. So for Thanksgiving break and winter break, I'm going to go to my pitching guy in, in uh, at a facility we have. So I'm going to go up there, work out with him, my long toss program with him, and then get a few bullpens in. So I'm just going to do heavy lifting. Like I said, long toss and then bullpen. So, keep the arm fresh. Don't, I'm, I'm not taking any days off at all. Like I'm, I'm just keep throwing. Cause I know if I, if I don't throw, it's going to just make my arm weak, make it worse and possibly injure myself. Okay. So no days off. That must be, that must mean that there's going to be a lot of development going on this upcoming off season. Take us through that. Some of those key points of emphasis for this off season's development, potentially years down the road as well. Take us through kind of what you're looking to gain over these next couple of years before you're stepping foot on UVA's campus. I'm hoping by the end of this year, I'll be up to 90. And then hopefully by the end of my high school career, I'll be at 94. hopefully. That's the goal. Because right now I'm at 87, 88. So if I can get to 90 by the end of the year, I'll be in a good place. Yeah, and looking three years down the road, man, if you're throwing 93, 94, you're stepping foot on campus, I mean, you're in a – you're in a pretty darn good spot, but yeah, um, sure. last baseball question here for you, before we do dig into that final segment, looking at your game's entirety. So whether that's from the stretch, from the windup, maybe picking guys off the relationship you have with your catchers, digging into those pitches you have as well. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you'd write up on yourself? I feel like AB just pounds the zone, works quick. Off speed, throws for strikes, can get it for two strikes for just like in the dirt, fastball command, and then just like just a dog in the mound. I don't know. That's that's probably about it. Okay. All right. So uh digging into that final segment again, digging into the personal side of things here. We gotta let the listeners know who you are beyond just a baseball player. First off, passions beyond the game of baseball. It is the offseason right now. So beyond training going, working hard every day. 
What are some of those passions and hobbies that you have beyond baseball, beyond training and all that? I'd say 100% golfing and playing Fortnite. That's probably the two things that I do besides baseball, 100%. Okay. okay. And, so then, and then on the weekends, I play football with the team. Okay. Fo- football with the team. What, so what's going on there? What position are you playing in football? So we do seven on seven. I play receiver and then I'll be um, safety. Okay. So can you light it up on the football field like you light it up on the mound? Or is that maybe a sport? Nah, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay. That is not, that is not my sport. All right. Um, so you being a big Fortnite guy, you know, I'm not, I don't play Fortnite. I don't know really much about it, but I do see a lot of these people these past couple of days posting on their Snapchats. I've been seeing Instagram stories. I'm assuming you've probably been playing a lot with it. Is it like the old map that came out or something like that? Yeah. I have not played a lot, but, but Brandon has, Brandon's played at least 15 hours. Okay. So as in Brandon, coach Brandon. Yes, he's addicted. All right. All right. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to shoot him a text, see, see what he's got going on there, uh uh Fortnite wise. He's but... probably playing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so moving from uh passions to motivations here. You know, again, you know, you talk about how you're going, work putting the work in every day, trying to develop as a baseball player, have those lofty goals of winning that state championship this upcoming spring. When it comes to all that. What is it that motivates you to get up out of bed every morning, continuously evolve as a ball player, continuously evolve as a person? What would be some of those motivations? I'd say for sure knowing that everybody who doesn't like you is trying to be you. Like I know that the people out there like who are my age that are trying to be like me, but they just talk shit. Like they shit talk me and that's all they do because they're either jealous of me or whatever it is, but like, I just go out there. I, I do my thing. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to do me. And that's it. Okay. Like, so I, you, that's all I got to do. All right. So do you see a lot of chirping going on with you being a, uh, you know, last year being a freshman commit this year, still being an underclass commit. You see a lot of chirping. hundred percent. Okay. Everywhere. What's that? Everywhere uh, I go. So I, I've heard a couple chirps here in Indiana from some underclass guys who committed, but when you're going to UVA, what are some of those chirps that you're getting? Yeah, so when I'm pitching this year, like I, I faced one of the teams and they were just going nonstop. Like I think I walked one of the guys and, and they kept telling me like, how does UVA want you? How are you committed? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, why do you guys care? Like you guys lost. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know like why I get chirped at for walking a guy or because it's it's stupid, you know, like it's always the kids that don't play. It's always the bench riders that I talk the most shit. Like, it's kind of funny, but like, it it's true though. Yeah, the kids I mean, who don't play talk the most shit. Yeah, that no, I guess I've, I never kind of looked at it that way, but no, that that does make a lot of sense. But you know, you're pitching the state finals game down there in Florida as a freshman. Why would why wouldn't a school like UVA want a guy like that? But um, exactly. kind of taking that question a little bit further, when it comes to the motivations, let's move it twenty years down the road. You keep proving those shit talkers wrong. You keep going, putting in the work in every day. What does that perfect picture of your life look like in 20 years? Hopefully I'm playing in the majors. That's all that's always the goal. I mean, if I if if I can be there just playing my game still, even at that age, like that, that'd be amazing. Even if I'm still playing eight years down the road in the majors, that's that's my goal. Okay. Awesome. My goal is to play as far as I can until my body gives out. 
All right. Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping, you know, years down the road, I can go watch you play at a major league ballpark. But um, I got six more questions here for you before we do end it off. Going to be kind of a rapid fire, three sets of two questions here. So yeah. first set, coolest contact in your phone beyond Cameron Maben. You know, this whole series, I've kind of had to throw that in there. Right, because I got to look at this real quick. Okay. I know I Cameron Maben is a good guy. So beyond Cameron Maben, that coolest contact. And then let's say your go-to playlist, whether that's working out, going on a long drive, flying, whatever. What is that go-to playlist you're putting on? All right. So coolest contact, I think is Will Harris. He pitched for the uh, Astros and the Nationals for like 11 or 12 years. He pitched in the majors. Either him or I would say um, yeah, that's probably him. So how'd you get connected with Will Harris? Or Will Harris, yeah, sorry. So my advisor is his agent. So I talked to him a couple times about his process through college, through high school, like how that went for him, his recruiting process. So I talked to him about that and then how his how his college career was and then how it was like playing 11 years in majors and then facing adversity like he did with Tommy John and, and that kind of stuff. Okay. So having two big league ball players that you kind of go pick their brains, you know, at pretty much any given time, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty darn good thing to have, but yeah. looking at the go-to playlist, what would be some of that music you're putting on? For sure, country. I like country for sure. Any country music. I like Drake and then Rod Wave 100%. Okay. What's uh what's some of those go-to country artists? Morgan Wallen, Zach Bryan, um, Jordan Davis, um, Luke Bryan, Luke Combs. Those five guys, probably the Okay. So Morgan Wallen, obviously everybody, you know, everybody knows Morgan Wallen. Zach Bryan, he's making his way up there as well. I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of split on, on Zach Bryan. You know, I might not, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of him. What's the, what's that favorite song? I got to, I, I was listening to him today. I'm like, man, like, I don't know where all this hype's coming from. What's that favorite song for Zach Bryan? I think for me, it's uh, Hey Driver from his new album. That song's pretty good. Or, um, or Oklahoma Smoke Show. Okay. Those are, you know, those are solid songs. Um, I, I do those have to say that. So those are pretty good songs to listen to, you know, when you're driving stuff like that, but yeah. um, digging into the second set of two questions here for you. Let's say I'm taking a trip to what is it? Co I think Cooper city. Yeah. Let's say I'm taking a trip there to Cooper city, Florida. What are some of those recommendations you got for me? Restaurants to check out some things to do. What would you be recommending me to go do if I'm going down to Florida? And then let's say you're having dinner with three people dead or alive who would be at that table okay so there is not much to do in cooper city like i'm gonna be honest with you there's not much like at all like this is a small town like there's not much to do here at all like maybe i don't even know there's there really is not much to do here maybe like a trampoline park or something that's probably it like there's nothing so like, what's the, the what's the the restaurants here is like fast food places that like everyone's been to. Okay. All right. That's, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of how my hometown is here in the Midwest. I thought Florida was kind of just, you know, big city everywhere, but no, uh, here it's not. No. What's the, what's the, what, I guess, you know, you got Orlando, you got Tampa, Miami. What's the closest? Orlando. There's one, there's one food place that I go to a lot. Okay. Is, so I think Orlando's kind of the closest city to yeah. you. Or Palm Beach is pretty close too. Okay. Like where Cody's at, yeah. 
And then what about the dinner with three people? I would say number one, I would go with Sandy Koufax. Number two, I go with Kobe Bryant. And then number three, I would probably say, it was tough. Hold on. Oh my God. Shaq. Okay. So big LA yeah. guy there, right there. Three, yeah. three guys from, you know, yeah. the other side of the country. Uh, sorry. I take it. You a Lakers fan? Yep. Okay. All right. Dodgers fan too. Yep. How are you? So how are you an LA fan when you're all the way down there in Florida? My dad's from LA. Okay. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Um, especially with the, I guess the Marlins have had some good success, you know, winning a couple of world series. I think they made it to the postseason this past year, but, um, it lasts very long. <laughs> probably not. I mean, they're going to throw away their roster like they did, you know, with John Carlo, Christian Yelich and all the stupid. Guys a couple years ago, but, yeah. uh, final two questions here for you before we do end it off. Um, TikTok for you page, you're scrolling through TikTok. What are some of those different videos that you're seeing? And then final question, dream NIL brand, you get to UVA, you get that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What would be that dream brand to endorse, collaborate, or partner with? So my TikTok feed is just literally like, it's like sports stuff. It's all like overtime, house of highlights, all that kind of stuff. And there's like once in a while, some like crazy person trying to eat like watermelon with like a toothbrush. It's like stupid. I don't know what they're doing. Like it's just people who have no life just trying to, do stupid things on TikTok. And then NIL deal, I'd probably say either Raising Canes or or Dairy Queen. Okay. All right. To, yeah. uh, uh, I've never had a Dairy Queen answer before. I have had a Canes a couple times, but, um, you know, it's nice to get away from, you know, the Nikes and the yeah. Louisville Sluggers and all that, that people are always bringing up. So, uh, would be pretty cool to see, you know, maybe at your own little blizzard there at Dairy Queen or something like That'd that. That'd be nice. But, I like um, that a lot, actually. Yeah. But anyway, man, no, that's the, that's the final question here for you on the JKR podcast. You know, really appreciate you coming on the yeah, show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate of, of course, it. man. It was great getting to meet you. Great getting to learn about your baseball career. And, you know, hopefully next summer and the year after that, I'll be going and watching that Padre scout team, watching you shove, watching that lineup go, and, you know, hopefully getting that number one ranking in that 26 class. But for sure, you know, just appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it.